You're listening to Season 7, Episode Number 4 of Strike the Match. In this episode, my guest is David Joannes. We discuss his book, Gospel Privilege, The Unearned Advantage That's Meant for Everyone. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Well, the guest that's on the program today, uh, to many of you, is definitely not someone who is a stranger. Uh, He has uh, a a large presence uh, online. He is an author. Uh, He is the uh, co-founder and CEO of Within Reach Global. Uh, David Johannes is our guest today, and I am incredibly excited to have him with us. He's also a podcast host, uh, does some incredible videos that uh, reside out there on YouTube. And so today, uh, in addition to those things, we're going to spend our time focused in on his latest book, Gospel Privilege, which is just a a fantastic resource. If you haven't had a chance to get a copy uh, of this book, Gospel Privilege, uh, The Unearned Advantage That's Meant for Everyone, uh, you'll definitely want to get a copy of that. And so, David, I'm so thankful that you are here with us today. So welcome to Strike the Match. JD, thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. I've been a longtime fan of Strike the Match, and uh, your your writing as well has impacted my life. I just feel so honored to be spending some time together with you. Oh, you're 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 very kind, brother. Th- thank you so much for that word of encouragement, uh, man. I'm telling you, when it comes to podcasters, uh, man, you, you are out there on the on the front front edge, cutting edge, doing some incredible pioneering work uh, with the Missions Pulse podcast. And so uh, can you tell the listeners that may not be familiar uh, with that resource a little bit about that and and kind of uh, where it's been and sort of where it's going? Absolutely. Well, it's because I'm a glutton for punishment, so I Aren't we all that do you know, this stuff? Do a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and then you add a couple videos uh, to it instead of just audio, and it's a it's a lot of work. But I'll tell you what, it's been a lot of fun. I think it's touched some people. In fact, some of our staff have even heard it from around the world and joined uh, within Reach Global all the way here in Thailand. Missionspulse.com will relink you back to my website where you find all the episodes there. I had some great conversations, just trying to gauge what God is doing right now, what the pulse of missions is, what the next uh, phase of reaching the unreached is all about, and had many guests on, and, and that's the power of the show, the guests, really. Uh, I'm just here kind of fielding fielding the ball as they pull out some really great topics. And you you do just a great job also with, with the tech that's involved. I mean, with, uh, I mean, just, you know, I, I know, I know listeners, I'm kind of nerding out here a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> The you know the camera shots, the mixing, the uh, the overdubs. I mean that that's that's very impressive. And I would say among hmm. among Christian uh, podcasters, uh, uh, particularly in the area of of things related to global uh, Great Commission work, uh, man, I think you're you're at the top with what you're doing. Wow. Well, I really appreciate your words. I've never really thought about myself like that. No one ever does, right? Uh, but I, I enjoy this stuff, and I am. Also, I think I share that passion with you when you're surrounded by low quality tech or or maybe just things that are outdated. Um, you're, you're thinking about Gen Z. You're thinking about millennials. 
uh, we can't pass over and overlook uh, uh, feel, look and feel that they're kind of craving and expecting. And I like that quality. I've, I have had the help of a girl named Jenny Roethlisberger editing uh, the videos from America. I upload them from Thailand. She she edits. So, yes, um, I hope to still crank out some more in the future as uh, ministry kind of slows. We're in a high point right now. <laughs> so quite busy with my podcast Absolutely. opportunities. Well, well, you pass the word on to Jenny. She's doing a, a fantastic job with uh, with her work there. Hey, let's let, let's talk about uh, about about your ministry before we get into your book. So, uh, co-founder, CEO of Within Reach Global. So, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about Within Reach. Yeah, well, I am the co-founder with my wife Lorna. She's from the Philippines. We met smuggling Bibles from Hong Kong to China in mm. uh, 1997. And so it was a long story of uh, just pursuing God, pursuing China, pursuing missions, pursuing my my soon-to-be wife. And I moved to China in 1998. I was there for about 15 years, spent many, many hours. And uh, if you ca- calculate it all together, it was months and months on overnight sleeper buses and tractors and dump trucks going to the ends of the earth, literally the Mm. border towns of China, Myanmar, Laos. And uh, what birthed out of those many trips to unreached villages was a group of passionate and zealous indigenous missionaries who who grew in that relationship. And now the ministry that we we started in China is about 99% fully indigenously led, which is really powerful. Uh, we felt it as a as a major loss at one point because this is your baby, right? The ministry you began, but when we turned it over to the locals, it was only thrived and they've done incredible things. Now relocating here to Thailand, uh, been here for eight years, seeing God continue to grow in a different and unique way, but a similar style of passion for unreached people groups, and that's what the vision of Within Reach Global will always be: ten forty window unreached people groups. And extending God's kingdom where it hasn't gone before, man, that that is fantastic. And so, for those of you that are listening, if you want to check out a little bit more about what uh, Within Reach Global has done and uh, presently doing, uh, go to their website WithinReachGlobal.org, and you can find out more about them. David is also the author, not just of the uh, the book that um, we're going to be talking about today, his latest book, Gospel Privilege, but uh, he also uh, is the author of a book called The Mind of a Missionary. And so if you haven't uh, seen this book, you want to check that out as well. Uh, but David, that brings us to uh, our topic today of this, uh, this book, Gospel Privilege. And um, Man, I know that uh, I've seen this uh, out on social media being spread around. Uh, this, obviously, uh, your your latest work. I, but I've got to ask this question: uh, that title, "Gospel Privilege." Hmm. I mean, what what um, what in the world? What in the world is that? Where does that come from? <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I always like to give credit to a guy named Chad Vegas. He was on the Missions podcast with Alex Kochman, Scott Dunford. I didn't first hear the term gospel privilege from him, but he recently popularized it in some way, in my opinion. Uh, But the reality was, is this kind of phrase began to really grow in my heart. I realized the first time this word was ever, this phrase was ever used was 1658 by a guy named Isaac Ambrose. I did not Uh, know know that. Yeah. Yeah. We've got some generations here. 
going back. And, and, and I've, I've it, read it, your book. I can't remember. Did you mention that in the book? Yeah, a couple of times. Uh, is it okay. the introduction and so on? Um, that's where the idea came from. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, and looking back in the past, we often use the word privilege in a very positive way, right? right. Words change over time. Meaning shift, linguistics always changing. And now privilege has become a pejorative or negative term. It has those connotations anyway. And coupling the word gospel and privilege can seem a little bit um, sacrilegious even (laughs) to some people. But I think what the original intention, 1658, and then it was popularized. I'm kind of going to geek out here as well. I don't know if you've ever, J.D., gone to Google Ngram. Have you ever used Google Ngram? I have not. Well, you type in a word or a phrase, and it sees, it gives you uh, all these different places where it's been popularized or it's gone out of fashion over time. Uh-huh. So you look at words like gospel privilege, and it spiked. We used to use this phrase. Matthew Henry wrote all about it. Hmm. It, it was popularized in the mid-1850s. And uh, it's completely gone out of our lexicon, instead replaced with male privilege, white privilege, and other such right. more pejorative meanings. But uh, the, the privilege always contains responsibility, and uh, I think that's what I'm trying to point out. Our privilege is looking unto Jesus. Mm-hmm. Our responsibility is looking unto Jesus. And when we do, things of the world grow strangely dim, and mm-hmm. we begin to catch a vision for his heart and the people whom he loves. You know, um, when when I look at the title of this book, I I think about all right. What are some of the other books? And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm here in the states. Um, and by the way, I will commend you. That's that's quite impressive, being uh, where you are in the world and and keeping up with how that word, you know, privilege has has morphed in the United hmm. States. I mean, particularly in the past couple yeah. of years. Um, but whenever I look at like the title of your book, and I think about books that have been published in the states recently with the title "Gospel" or has "Gospel" in the title, I, you know, I see I see quite a few. So, so this book, what what is it about this book that you would describe as being you know unique, you know, contributing something to the conversation related to the gospel that is something fresh from a different angle? Yeah, well, I think uh, the the title is meant to invoke a little bit of surprise and wonder yes, it does. when you talk, you know, right? Uh, it feels awkward mm-hmm. to have the word gospel and privilege put together. I think the unique thing about this book is that it reveals to you the positive aspects of a pejorative word, privilege, and how our lives are not driven by the thoughts of the gospel, the robust gospel that Jesus uh, talked about and spoke of. We've watered it down in so many ways. And getting back to the idea of privilege and kind of using it, pitting it against some other pejorative meanings, I think kind of brings out a different uh, dimension of, of the gospel, also of the word privilege. And I also think one extra part on there, it really focuses on what I've been calling gospel dead zones or mm. spiritual dead zones. Uh, a lot of the book is, I wouldn't say it's a missions book, uh, although I can't help talk about missions anyway. I've been a missionary for 23 <laughs> years. Right. But, but uh, you know, I, I think pointing people to the reality of their privilege, the reality of the gospel, and then the, res- 
responsibility of Acts 1-8, mm-hmm. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, and those gospel dead zones, what others would call unreached people groups or unreached nations, uh, have got to become front and center if we want to see the return of Christ sped up as Matthew 24-14 speaks of. Mm-hmm. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to every single ethno-linguistic tribe, and then the end will come. Yeah. So I think that's a couple of the unique uh, parts about the book. Yeah, you, you know, you you just mentioned about, you, you know, you don't necessarily see it so much about as a missions book per se, but but I think what you do in this book uh, is is show the the natural, the inevitable connection between the gospel that that we embrace and our and our responsibility, that privilege to join God mm. in His mission in the world, which takes us to and should drive us, lead us into those dead zones, as you mentioned, um, throughout the world. And so, I think you do just a fantastic job in this work um, of of just showing, hey, if you really have truly come to faith in Christ, and you have this, you know, this privilege that uh, that uh, you've received from the Lord, uh, it it just the natural result is we have to share this with others. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, it's surprising. You know, I think in a moment we're going to talk more about this, what, how evangelism has waned over time, how, mm-hmm. how phrases like preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words, you know, mm-hmm. miss a uh, misspoken quote from St. Francis of Assisi, who's mm-hmm. probably rolling in his grave saying, I didn't say that. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, you have to preach the gospel with words. That's how it works. Uh you know, the, these are the things that I think we need to reclaim, that passion for evangelism. Yeah. Well, well, let's go ahead and jump on that topic, because I I think that, that you're exactly right. I mean, there's—I I see a lack of intentionality. Um, I see, you know, uh, the lack, you know, of zeal, obviously. And so, so can you— can you kind of, you know, maybe share a little bit about, about that issue? Because one of the main themes in the book— is you know as you say it's it's our responsibility to share the gospel. I mean, how how do you see as far as reclaiming a passion or reclaiming a zeal for evangelism? You know how 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 can that happen? How can that come about? Yeah, well, I'm not going to call myself an expert, but I do have a deep passion for young people, especially returning to that evangelistic zeal. Look at it in the past. I mean, look at the look at the missionary generation of 1860 to 1882 or so. I think uh, sociologists call it the missionary generation. It's where all these missionaries come from. Mm-hmm. Amy Carmichael, Hudson Taylor, Adam Judson. What's amazing, uh, as I was writing my previous book, and it found its way into gospel privilege as well, there's all these similarities between Gen Z and that generation, the, gospel, the uh, missionary generation. Uh, and so I think the values and passions of young people today, there is a lot of similarities, but we need to speak very plainly and clearly about harnessing those passions. Um, you know, you look at Barna report 2018, I think it was March came out 51% of churchgoers in America never heard the term great commission, or they don't know what the term great commission Mm -hmm. means. Um, uh, this is impacting the way young people uh, communicate, and, and I think uh, what's what's taken over is this moralistic, therapeutic, deistic kind of idea that you know congeniality and niceness is what the end result here is, rather than a direct evangelistic sharing of the gospel with words. Mm-hmm. And most 
young people today feel like, you know, their lives should express the heart of Jesus. And that's true. You have to live with integrity publicly as you do privately. Um, but the, the passion of Jesus, he was always using demonstrations and words, the right. two coupled together, orthodoxy, orthopraxy, they work together. They're two sides of the same coin. So looking at the Bible, that evangelistic lens or that missions lens. I mean, you are going to start in Genesis and end in Revelation and spot the mission of God all throughout. And as you do, speak about it to others. It'll excite them. Yeah. You know, you, you look, you know, for example, just at the life of Jesus of how, how it's described or how his life was described in the New Testament. And and you think, all right, if there was anyone, if there was anyone that could could win someone to the Lord, if I can use that expression, by just a good <laughs> lifestyle. Well, it would be the one without sin. I mean, right? But yet you see, yeah. you see, like you just said, and like you talk about in this book, there is that wedding of of right deeds, right actions that reflect that kingdom ethic and and right words as well. Absolutely. And and uh, you know what it is? It's kind of juxtaposed in the introduction of the book, Gospel Privilege. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. It's it's that when we were dead in our sins, there was no hope for us. You know, in God's mercy, he saved us. By grace, you have been saved. Mm-hmm. And then and then it goes on to say immediately, and, and works don't save you. You, are, you cannot be saved through works. You know, it, it's, it's God working in you. It's a gift of God. But then directly after that, it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> it seems it seems out of place. But but yeah, you're right. Uh though that that works and that words coupled together are, are what's going to really impact the nations. And, and that's what we do here in, in Asia, here in very unreached regions. We are directly going out and speaking of Jesus. And when people hear a contextualized version uh, of who Jesus is. They respond because they're looking for hope. Mm, yes, yes. You know, in the book, David, you you spend a good deal of time uh, addressing that issue of of actions, and you know the the phrase that has been around in evangelical circles for a long time uh, has been the, uh, the the social justice versus evangelism. I mean, I hate mm. to even express it that way, but that's you know that's kind of how how it's been at least for the past uh, many decades. Um, uh, let, let's spend a, a moment just getting your thoughts on, on the issue of social justice, because, um, you know, you've got, you've got believers out there that want to maybe avoid uh, the issue of social justice. And, um, it, you know, as you, you bring up, it's, it's the issue of, I want to avoid it because it seems too secular. But give us, give us your thoughts. You know, what, what, what is it about Christians and social justice? Are, are we called to be engaged in social justice? I mean, clearly we're called to verbally share the good news. Um, but but what do you what do you unpack in this book on this issue of of believers and the matter of uh, our engagement with uh, with people around us over issues of justice? Yeah, well, as I was studying and looking at this uh, in preparation, researching the book. I'll tell you what, it's, this is the last, it, it's in the middle of the book. I think it's the fifth chapter, but it was the last chapter I wrote because it is so nuanced and so many layers to this conversation. I wanted to be careful how I presented it, but what I did is is talk about different people and their viewpoints. You have Tom Askell, president of Founders Ministries, um, 
very verbal about the anti-social justice side among conservative evangelicals, Dr. Vody Bauckham. Then you have the other side, Tim Keller, saying, no, social justice is a word we can use. It's, it's such a touchy word because it's been abused, right? Mm. So we don't want to fall in the camp uh, of those abusing it or fall in the camp of those who are on Twitter calling themselves SJWs and they're really not doing anything about they're not they're not putting in the hard work and effort to better the lives of those who are suffering. Mm-hmm. They're just complaining <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter. And so uh, what I really like is how Tim Keller describes this this marrying of uh, the two words when you look at social justice, mishpat and tzedakah. And the social, the gospel is inevitably social because we are social beings. Mm -hmm. So I think absolutely we are called to respond to social justice. I understand it's a a polarizing word, but um, when you meet people where they're at with uh, an action, an active way of ridding them of justice. I'm, I'm in a country of 0.77% Christians, right, yeah. uh, less than 1% Christians in, in Thailand. Um, sex trafficking is a huge issue. You've got multiple layers of this gospel dead zone, and people need an action to respond to. Um, and I think that if you say, you know, preach the gospel with only words and don't delve into social justice. It's like feed the hungry without any food, you know, (laughs) when necessary, use food. Um, I I think we need to be careful not to be, not to veer away from the mission. And looking back, I I wrote a lot about this in the book too, is saddening. When you look at the last 193 years of Protestant missionary work in Thailand, people came with the intention to make disciples of the Thai people Mm -hmm. and found it quite difficult. So instead, they focused on education and you know um, medicine and different avenues to share the gospel. Over time, those things took center stage, and they were less gospel-centric than they intended to be in the end. Mm-hmm. So there is a balance, I think, social justice and the justice of God, the true justice, biblical, redemptive justice. Um, even though it's a bad word in some circles, it doesn't mean— we are not called to it. Absolutely. We are called to rid the world of suffering in small ways. Yeah. So, so you would say then, you know, you know, Micah's statement, you know, Micah 6, 8, you know, you know, what does the Lord require of you, but to act justly, love mercy and, and walk humbly uh, with the Lord, your God, you would say that, that that is still something that's very relevant to the way believers are to live life today. You know, that's a, a major theme. I'm surprised I haven't talked about it yet. I'm glad you brought it up. Well, hey, jump in there and talk <laughs> Matt, on that one. <laughs> well, well, Micah six eight is one of the main cruxes of this book. You know, um, to uh, the, if that's the main thing that God calls us to do as believers. You know, I, I've told you it's almost like He's re- reminding us. I've told you, old man, what you're supposed to do: live your life in a humble way. Uh, humility is a rare quality these days, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, be compassionate, have mercy. Um, I think we don't often enough stop for the ones and cross the street for the as the Good Samaritan uh, did because it's inopportune or we're busy about ministry, <laughs> yeah. and then to do justice in the in the earth. Um, I pray that at the end of this story, uh, within Reach Global and in my life, it will be said that 
yes, I helped to ease the suffering of those who are hungry, impoverished, sexually abused, uh, many different problems here in, in Asia as I experience. But I pray that I will never that there will always be a gospel centric touch. Um, as we do justice, biblical justice, redemptive justice, uh, Micah six eight is the standard from which we're to operate. Yeah, and and in the book, I, I I'm sorry to keep going, but in the book, I talk about this one guy, um, Zhang Rong, who who becomes Yellow Jesus. His story of justice and the the stories in there are just incredible. His adopted daughter sold on the black market, five hundred dollars. Mm. And he finds her, restores her, and the people are watching him this whole time and say, you're like a yellow Jesus to his, to us. He was a Chinese missionary in Myanmar. And that, that term stuck. Hmm. They called him yellow Jesus because of his passion to rid that community of injustice. Hmm. And uh, that's, that's what it does. It changes communities. So the person that reads your book cover to cover puts it down. If you could just kind of summarize kind of one big takeaway, you know, what, what, what is your desired takeaway for, for the reader that's out there? I want them to know that God calls misfits and outcasts, all of us, mm -hmm. and each one of us are just in the same boat. The, the end goal here, the pinnacle of all things, is that none should perish, all should come to repentance. Might otherwise be said, stated, adopted into the family of God. And to know that you have this privilege, the access to the Father through Christ Jesus, and many around the world do not, or they have not heard and understood the gospel in relevant terms. Um, I pray that people would realize their great privilege mm. and the joy of sharing the gospel. It's not drudgery. And I think when they step out and begin to do that with joy, there's kind of an explosion of joy that takes place rather than the drudgery we often foresee when it comes to faith sharing. Yeah. You know, the writing, the writing of books, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a tedious, challenging process, of course, David. Um, but when you look back on this work that um, that the Lord has allowed you to to be a part of, what what did you enjoy most in uh, in the process of of working on this book? That's an easy one, actually. No, nobody's ever asked me that, but it is easy to answer. <laughs> um, you know, the biggest thing was chapter one. Um, well, gosh, I guess I have to give a a little. <laughs> I guess I have to tell it now. I wanted people to be surprised if they read it, but it's the story of my dad, uh, this young man in California who's crazy upbringing. My, mm. my grandpa, who I never met, he killed himself when my dad was 12 years old, mm. dangling my dad, his son, outside of a 15-story window, mm. just a horrible upbringing. And to look through and talk to my dad and interview him and and get to know that story of his transformation on the Huntington Beach Pier in Southern California was very emotional to me. And I remember telling my daughter, Kara, we're having a conversation and I was reiterating, you know, how grandpa got saved. And, and she's like, a, a sudden epiphany kind of hit her, said, you know, if, if grandpa didn't accept Jesus on the Huntington Beach Pier, 1971, uh, then you would have never grown up in a Christian family. And if you didn't, you wouldn't have met mommy and I wouldn't be here. And she really put the pieces of generational blessing 
together right in front of my eyes. So that was a very powerful um, aspect to see how my father transferred gospel access to me. Mm. And then I, in turn, get to transfer it to those without gospel access. I, I remember reading reading that story, David. Such a, such a par- powerful story and, and also testimony to uh, just the title of the book of, of how, you know, you, that privilege uh, of that uh, good news was passed on uh, from, from generation to generation. My, uh, my guest today on Strike the Match uh, is uh, David uh, Johannes, and I'm just so, so thankful for not only this brother and his ministry, but the, the book that David has written, A Gospel Privilege, The Unearned Advantage That's Meant for Everyone. You need to get a copy of this book. You need to check it out. Uh, it's an outstanding work. Uh, David is is approaching this from from a from a unique perspective in a very good way. Uh, he's looking at it through through a set of glasses that uh, is based on his life experiences of, of so many um, opportunities the Lord has allowed him to to have. And so while he, I believe understands the mind of uh, the North American reader and uh, the contexts in which we find ourselves right now. At the same time, he brings a great global perspective uh, coming out of Asia as we think through this thing uh, that he refers to as gospel privilege. David, uh, people want to track you down online, find out more about your resources. Where can they uh, find you out there on social media, on the web? Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, it's pretty easy if you know how to spell my name, <laughs> davidjoannis.com. Uh, all my handles on social media are David Joannis, my full name. Uh, if you're confused how to spell it, just go to gospelprivilege.com. It'll reroute you as well as uh, withinreachglobal.org. I'm pretty public. I post a lot. I love to be in the mix and love to challenge people for their unique calling in God's great commission. So I hope to connect with you soon. David Johannes, that's spelled J-O-A-N-N-E-S. Yep, that's correct. David, thank you so much uh, for being with us today, sharing a little bit about your ministry and uh, this book, Gospel Privilege. Well, thank you so much, J.D. Such an honor. I so appreciate it. You've been too kind with your words. Thank you. You're welcome. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. You can find J.D. on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.